Welcome to Whiskey Fent, where we believe every bottle of whiskey has a story to tell. Three guys, one bottle, endless bonding. Here are your hosts, Brian, Evan, and JJ. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this new episode of Whiskey Fit. We appreciate y'all being here with us. <laughs> we have something special. Why is the first one today? The first one? I don't know. I don't know. You have to grease the edges a little bit before little you bit. pop it. I'm not sure. <laughs> anyway, so we're talking about uncorking this bottle that we have here sitting in front of us. So, as usual, I've got Doc JJ here with me. And Evan with us as well. Say hello, everybody. We are Evan. off to a fantastic start. As right usual. Now. There we go. As usual. So the whiskey that I brought to the show today is this this is episode's gonna be different. So every episode so far that we've rolled with, it's been a significant story to the one of us three or one of the special guests that we've had on the show. This whiskey and this story isn't about any of us. It's a story that I've just learned in the last month or so. And it's it's something that I'm excited about. It's something I'm excited to share. And I finally feel like I'm, I'm worried, I and we're getting caught up with the whiskey world a little bit in this one. But this this is a fresh story. I'm going to burst your bubble. I now know. Oh, you know where we're going now? Yeah, I now remember it. So backstory real quick is Doc JJ and I are well-versed in this whiskey we're getting into. And <laughs> Evan didn't know. And now he's Got some ideas in his head on what he thinks it is. So, look, man, a lot, a lot of thoughts go in and out of my brain. A lot of chasing squirrels, a lot of spinning wheels with hamsters, and sometimes it takes a little bit of time. Was, did you see the smoke? Yeah, yeah. To, to, catch, to catch up on things, but I do remember what we're talking about now. All right, so today we are talking about Uncle Nearest. That's the brand, and we're actually talking exclusively today about Uncle Nearest 1856. It's a it's a Tennessee whiskey, a true Tennessee whiskey out of Shelbyville, Tennessee. It is a this one particular the eight, the 1856 is a blend of a anything between an eight and a fourteen year. And for right now, this is a new distillery, and we'll we'll get into that. They're new as of 2017. So right now, especially for these blends, they are sourcing their whiskey, right? So they're buying it from other places for the most part, but they are doing the tasting and the mixing and the barreling and everything on site. And of course, as as they become an older whiskey brand, not four years, but five years, six years, eight years, 10 years, right? They'll have all of their own stuff and they have their own distillery. That's that's, like I said, on a farm in, in Shelbyville, Tennessee, but we'll get into that. So so let's let's, let's yeah. talk a little bit about this one. What makes a Tennessee whiskey a Tennessee whiskey? And that, um, that, I guess that'll kick off the story. Oh, I know, I know. Sure. Uh, I know. Actually, go uh, ahead. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to hear this. He's learning. It's from Tennessee. Very good. Yeah. Very good. There's a particular process I got of the more. Tennessee whiskeys. <laughs> okay. Okay. I got no more. Which is okay. There's a there's a particular process. It's actually called the Lincoln County process, where they distill their water right. Over or their whiskey, the whiskey over their charcoal, so it's maple charcoaled, and it's filtered through there. That's the Lincoln County process. Okay. That's what makes it a real Tennessee whiskey. Other than it's from Tennessee, you are correct. All right, all right. So like, if you like Jack Daniel, I believe Dickel's one too. Right? Correct. Yeah. So Dickel and Daniels, yeah. like they they have the that that specific like sweet mm-hmm. taste to it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. I do. Okay. I do. Because you've tasted it going down and up. I'm I'm guessing never up, but okay. down. Yes. Right. I don't drink much of it, but I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. I mean, so so we have them neat. Do we want to do? I've already tasted mine. Yeah, I know. I have to. Do we want to need to do pilot or taste now? Or do we need to get into story now? Because 
Go ahead. You guys yeah. make the decision. Well, let's let's do the story first. I mean, that that then we can get into tasting. Okay, that it. might mean three or four minutes before you get to drink again. Shit. All okay, right. He's changed his mind. He wants to do the neat taste. <laughs> And I have hamsters in my fucking head right, right on spinning yeah. wheels. Jesus. <laughs> Dude, I, like, I've claimed ADD all of my damn life, so we're good. I'll start off the tasting. It's definitely a Tennessee whiskey. It is. It is. It's smooth. It, yeah, I, I didn't like Tennessee whiskey until this one I like. It's very smooth. It's got some, I don't know, sweet caramel, I guess. Sweet, um, sweet apple. There's, yeah, a little sweet apple. Ooh, yeah, there. go with that. So It is uh, sweet apple, caramel, woody. I get all that. Uh, I would I would not describe the neat version as smooth. It takes a bite of my throat in a good way. It gives me a little bear hug on the way down. Yeah, that's that's guess, where I'm at. That's the years of scotch. That, I guess it doesn't 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 bite that, me and that, punch me in the throat as hard. That's where I'm just been that, that week. On I don't so know. far. Go ahead, Evan. It's it's trash for you, isn't it? No, it's not trash. Tra- <laughs> no, it's not near as bad for me as Jack Daniels and Evan Williams oh. stuff like that because it's not. It's not as, as I say, sweet, which we've learned that my verbiage may not be right, but it does. I can get a little bit of what I would equate to honey if honey was doused in fire because Ryan's right. His hug, man, this burns and it burns pretty bad all the way down. I mean, it's still in the middle of my chest. Yep. It's it's a pretty tough on the way down. So that's mine. I can see where y'all talk about the the sweetness to it, though, because if... In a roundabout way, you could say honey, uh, but you got to get through the alcohol. You got to get through the burn because there is at least neat. This is right. Well, it's a hundred proof, right? So it's got that alcohol, which which we, in another episode, we're going to kind of put that to the test in another time with, with a different type of whiskey and see if that really holds true. But, and I'm with you, the hundred proof, it burns though. I mean, this brings not diving story. I was like 12 years old. We went to the Independence. Oh. We went to the Independence Bowl. I may have been a little Who's older than my dad, my brother, okay. and I, and some friends of my dad's. We went to like the Independence, and it was known as the Snow Bowl because A and M played in Mississippi State, and it snowed in Shreveport, Louisiana, like six inches in a span of like I don't know five hours. Anyway, this reminds me of that because my dad used to drink Captain Morgan and Coke with his friends, and naturally, every daddy's like, "Hey, do you yeah. want to try this?" Right. So I try it, and I remember thinking that my insides were on fire. Yep. <laughs> like that they were going to to burn all and that's what this brings back. Sorry, side tangent there. No, that's, that's good. That's good. I don't have that bad a burn with this one. Uh, it, like I mean it's it's warm. It's it's a good warmth, but it's not that punch of like holy crap, I want like yeah. I want I, I I to light my, I want to take a lighter and see if I can like blow a torch. Yeah, not, I, I agree with that. For me with that one, it's it's not that. I've had much more alcohol punch, like yeah. the the horse soldier, hundred and twenty proof is yeah, much yeah. like that one. Oof, that I one, guess to, I could light my breath as that conversation goes deeper. I, I do have to clear. It's not. It's, it's not in a not bad the way. Alcohol burn like right. we've had with yeah. other really heavy, as we call it, ethanol. It's just. I mean, this actually tastes pretty good. It's right. just as soon as it gets to the back of your throat, it starts going down yeah. your chest. It's it warm. is a it is a fire going yeah. down. But there's nothing on the lips or anything. No, or right. nothing when you on first the tongue taste it, or anything. It actually yeah. tastes pretty good. It's right. once Maybe that's it gets the smooth down, he's is, talking about. Yeah, it's it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't hit me. It doesn't. It's the back of the heart, right? So yeah. it's right behind the heart as it's, as it's going down. That's that's where I feel that warmth. Right. That's right. the bear hug I was talking yeah, about. There yeah, there you go. I get it. Bear hug. Your Arthur Fonzarelli snap. And point bear hug, yeah. <laughs> oh my right, so, god! So, so how I wanna, old are you? So I want to get 
<laughs> I, I want to get into to the to the story or the history behind this. And, and this is, like I said, this is different. Normally we do something that's about us, and this is absolutely not about us at all, which I think is is pretty neat and something I just learned about a month ago from one of the members at the gym. She mentioned at a noon class, hey, have you heard of this Uncle Nearest whiskey? And I was like, no, what is that? So she just told me about the whiskey and how good it was. They have three different versions, but the 1856 version, which is what we have, she said it was super, super amazing. That's her kind of go-to. So like I do with anybody, when they tell me about a whiskey or a bourbon or a scotch, I have a little whiskey scotch note on my phone and I wrote it down on my phone. <laughs> and the, did, you write, did you write down Kentucky Dale? No, no, you know what? No. Oh, I missed that one. <laughs> yeah. Why did we miss that one? Darn it. What happened? I'll go back and edit that. <laughs> and uh, so the next day, the next day I was going to Kroger to get gas and one of the three new liquor stores that just opened up within a mile of my house, which is key. <laughs> I saw it for the first time. I was like, holy shit, look at this. <laughs> so I rolled in there just to walk around because, I mean, who doesn't just walk through liquor stores to see what they got, right? And they had one bottle of it. I was like, damn it. So I picked it up and I took it home. That was on a Thursday. On a Saturday night, my, myself and Alyssa, we had the kiddos. We started roasting some marshmallows and making s'mores. And I was like, this is perfect. Let's get this new whiskey out. We got this whiskey out. We took the first couple of drinks of it. And the taste just, I mean, it blew me away. I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. I can't believe I've been missing this. So Sarah, who told me about it at the gym on that Wednesday, said nothing about the story of where it came from. And so I started doing some online research and looking at videos and reading websites and that's kind of where we're going here. So bear with out. me. Bear with me as we all sit around, crisscross applesauce, and let Grandpa tell a story. All right? It's kind of where we're going here. Let me take a sip real quick. Are you trying to play pun? Are you trying to play pun on words right now? Yeah. Are you trying to be punny? <sighs> he, is so a, anyway, he is a dad of five right. kids. So he has to have the dad jokes and the puns. That's Come on, right. Man. So back on up, right? Lynchburg, Tennessee, 1850s. There is a preacher, a pastor local preacher pastor. His name is Dan Call. He owns a farm and uh, he's a preacher and a pastor. So he's leading people to Jesus on the weekends. And on Friday and Saturday night, he's leading most of the same people to his whiskey still where he is distilling whiskey and selling whiskey. Well, the, the, so wait a there's, there's not a problem with this. We got to keep okay. in mind, most mm -hmm. alcohol mm -hmm. consumption that we've had mm -hmm. in modern times was mm -hmm. propagated by mm -hmm. the Benedictine monks. So okay. They made wine and they mm -hmm. made beer. Okay. Let's, let's go with this. I don't this know where that story thing. goes. It's not, doesn't, I have no problem with Jesus and alcohol. You just don't, That's what I'm you saying. don't, I don't mm -hmm. believe you're supposed to go into it excess. Mm -hmm. And every man's got to make a living. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, so we'll get to that part. But uh, anyway, so, <laughs> so on his farm where his whiskey uh, distillery is, he, he's got a gentleman there by the name of Nathan Green there. And this gentleman is a slave. He's owned by a slave company from town. And Dan Call did not own him. He was not a slave owner on record. But Dan Call rented him, which was, of course, in that time in those days was very, that was normal. So he rented him because he was a master distiller at his art. So he had rented him from this local company in town to uh, distill his whiskey for him. So Dan Call, or Nathan Green was his name, who now we know as Uncle Nearest. But Nathan Green was born in Maryland in 1820. And essentially between 1820 and 1850, there, there are no records of him. So they're not sure how he got to Lynchburg. They're not sure when he got there or anything like that, right? Because we know from that time period, slaves were treated as property and not as people. So it was one of those things where there just wasn't records of that. So anyway, so as, as this process goes on and Nathan Green is in his, in his early 30s and he's distilling this whiskey, 
everybody in town and everybody in the surrounding area comes to Dan Call for this whiskey because they're just super in love with it. It's the best whiskey in town. Everybody's all about it. And the big part of it was the fact what we went into earlier is where Nathan Green used this process, which we now know as the Lincoln County process. He used this process that actually he was taught from his parents and grandparents that was really a West African process that they brought where they used to distill their water over this charcoal. So he was using a process that he'd known that his family had taught him for years and generations to use the same process, but distill whiskey in it. And that's why it's so specific to Tennessee. And that's why in order to be a Tennessee whiskey, it's got to be made in Tennessee. It's got to be made with the Lincoln County process, right? Those are two of the big things. So this process essentially was Nathan Green's that he had brought and kind of introduced to the U.S., right, in the whiskey world. In the in the early to mid-1850s, and this is, you know, all questionable, a lot of this information, there's a chore boy that comes to Dan Call's farm. He's eight years old, nine years old at the time. He's one of 10 kids. His mother had died at four months old, so he was raised by his father. And you can only imagine, I'm sure, in the 1850s, a father raising 10 kids, what that life would be like. So he wasn't a silver spoon boy. He wasn't a privileged boy. He was a chore boy. Dan Call hired him uh, to clean out the, the pens and chase the pigs and milk the cows and do all of the chore type stuff, right? And so after a couple of years of working on the farm, he became really interested in the smoke that was always down in the holla, raising up out of this building and kept asking Dan Call what it was. And uh, so finally, after a couple of years, he trust, Dan Call trusted this young boy and he took him down and introduced him to Nathan Green. And he said, this is our whiskey distiller and this is how we make it. And so he asked if he could help and essentially be his chore boy, Nathan Green's chore boy, and learn everything about there is to do about whiskey. So Nathan Green mentors him, takes him under his wing, shows him everything he knows about whiskey di uh, distillery, shows him everything about the Lincoln County process, teaches him all of this stuff. Well, then, right around the time of 18, between 1861, when, when uh, the Civil War had ended in 1865 with the 13th Amendment and everything that was ratified, Nathan Green becomes a free man. He decides to stay on the property and still work at the farm. Dan, Call, or Dan Call's congregation is not really happy with him selling whiskey and preaching on the weekends. So he essentially, he decides to give it up. So he gives up the, the whiskey distillery business to Nathan Green. Nathan Green and this young boy now have worked together for a few years. They have a rapport with each other. This young boy starts his own distillery on the same property, starts selling whiskey, putting his name on it, putting his little logo and stuff on it. And then when he decided to move to a different property and start his own whiskey brand, he asked Nathan Green to come with him and he hired him as his first master distiller. This young boy who grows up and comes this with his own whiskey brand becomes Jack Daniels. So that's where this whole story comes from to where Jack Daniels was actually taught how to make and distill whiskey in the whole process by a slave in the 1850s. And it, it, it's interesting because you, when you go into the story, and this stuff is, I would, I would encourage everybody to go on YouTube and go on the Uncle Nearest website and look at all of these videos because there's videos all over about all of this information. Is The interesting part is that when Jack Daniels hired him as his first master distiller, they stayed together and these families have been intertwined since the 1850s, literally until this day. This story that I'm telling that's really just been new to the 
outside of Tennessee world for the, last Lynchburg, four, right? for the last four years. Yeah. Outside of Lynchburg. Uh, this is, it wasn't a secret in Lynchburg. It just, it was something that everybody knew, but the story had never gotten out, which is crazy, right? Even at the Jack Daniels distillery, when they give their tours up until a few years ago, they didn't even mention Nathan's Green's name. They actually gave credit to Dan Call, saying that he was the one that taught Jack Daniels how to distill whiskey. Uh, a few years ago, in I believe 17 or 18, Jack Daniels changed all of that. They have a whole wing dedicated to Nathan Green. They start out the tour talking about Nathan Green. His name is mentioned all throughout. His family and his heritage is mentioned all throughout. So it's just this amazing story of, of the way that I explained it and what I see as, especially what everything's gone on in the last year or two, right, in the U.S., is just this truth coming to light. And it's that's really what it is. It's a, it's a truth coming to light. It's this true story that wasn't necessarily a secret. It wasn't necessarily hidden or swept under the rug. Just outside of Shelbyville and Lynchburg and really outside of Tennessee, it just wasn't spoke of. And now we're, we're learning all of this and now we're getting to it. And it was just a super cool story that, that I think everybody needs to know a lot about. It's a um, true American story, I think. And it's something of, it's real heritage, you know? It's real heritage. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's one of those, not to get too far into socio-political stuff with this, but it's one of those, like, I find, I, I, I love the fact that it's come out and, and, and that we are hopefully progressing past that stage where yeah. people would feel that this has to be hidden, yeah, this hidden knowledge and stuff like that. So it's, it's a, it's a phenomenal whiskey, even without the story, it's a good whiskey. And I don't, I don't typically like Tennessee whiskeys, but I would drink this. This is definitely a sit on the porch, drink it neat and, and when it's cold. So for me, but the story makes it even better for me. Speaking about the story, not about the whiskey. And so I, I don't, y'all probably know I got a degree in history. Yeah. Thought I was going to be a teacher at crash and burn. I didn't like kids <laughs> yeah. enough. Sorry. Teacher, strength, conditioning, coach, football. Yeah, coach. I mean, it's, go, all, it's all the same thing. But anyway, one of the things that <clears throat> I went to a private liberal arts college, and I really respected a lot of my professors. I had a lot of wackos for professors, too, but I respected a lot of my history professors because, in my opinion, looking back on it, and my family members, my brother did the same thing. He went to the same place, got the same degree, and then I've got a lot of friends that got the same degree. Because we went to a private liberal arts college and because we got to take these off-the-wall kind of wacky history classes – we got, in my opinion, a better grasp on some history. And what I mean by that is our history professors were allowed to not speak more freely, but they didn't have boxes they had to check, like some history 101s or history of the Old West or whatever class that you may take. They didn't have to teach revisionist history, which is whoever wins, the winner gets to write history. Yep. They got to give history based on research from all angles. And so like one of the, my favorite <clears throat> classes that I ever took doesn't have to do with this, but it had to do with the world war II. guy by the name of hunt Tooley, real off the wall, weird, we real weird dude, but super, super smart. One of the things I do remember is that he did take days where, and this is going to be so polarizing for people. He basically taught the class from the German side sure, and like, Hey, the Americans weren't all innocent. Right. Uh, this whole thing wasn't like rah, rah, red, white, and blue. We're the hero. And he he did a great job of, hey, guys, you need to understand this. And he also touched on a couple other things of this is not just isolated this incident. This is, we've got black eyes that get covered up by 
textbooks that are written by winners and textbooks that are written by people who want to cover up black eyes. People and this, in power, right? People in power. Yeah. And this is this basically reminds me of that. And, yeah. and it also not hope. Hope's not the right word, but it, it encourages me that there is still so much more about human civilization and our development that is yet to be discovered because we covered it up. Yeah. And I have a side of me that's a conspiracy theorist, as JJ and I have talked about before extensively. Oh, yeah. And my biggest pet peeve is media in general, like the over umbrella, because they're the ones, they're the ones writing the history. Right media now. is propaganda. They're, propaganda. <clears throat> right. It's a Which perfect under, word for it. We understand that propaganda was yeah. bad and, and, and still is bad depending right. how you use it. But this story, and no, I didn't watch the 10 minute video that you sent to me at one point a month ago. I did. It was good. <clears throat> it's really, very, actually, you should really go watch it because it's good propaganda. <laughs> very cool <laughs> ending to it, Jack Daniels, because I was trying to track because I was like, all right, who is this guy? Because he's going to be somebody famous sure. that you're talking about. Yeah. Who is it? Jack Daniels. That's really, really right. cool. Don't like his whiskey. I still think it's really, really cool. Yeah. And I understand the rele- relevance of it, but I do find it fascinating that, man, we continually not on a daily basis, but on a very regular basis, it's like, well, actually, that didn't happen right. how you thought it may yeah. have happened. It's truth to light, man, right? It's like, that's the true essence of that saying of, yeah. it's bringing truth to the light finally, which is, it's super cool. And it's, it's, it, it takes a lot for folks to, it takes a lot for me to admit when I'm wrong. And Alyssa will back me on that. <laughs> it's, yeah, I'm saying. It's really hard to say sorry and admit when you're wrong. And I think there's a lot of things. I'm not saying anybody was wrong in this, whole situation. That's not what I'm alluding to with Jack Daniels and all that. I think they've done mostly the right stuff or whatever it is, but it's hard to go back once the history that you think is correct is written to go back and acknowledge, ah, maybe there was a little change here, a little change there. I mean, it's like, yeah. I mean, we've talked about that on a previous podcast, like we've done is like the the FDA and the food pyramid, like they can't back out of that. They've already said this. So committed. Well, history is, we act like history is concrete because history is concrete, but history is, is telephone. Like history truly is telephone. There are, there's stuff that is written down. I give that one because there's, there's kid actually like young people that may not understand that one. Kids that are young or maybe didn't play telephone is the game you sit in a circle and you would say a phrase to the person left to you and then they would say it to the person left to them and it would get all the way back around to you in the circle. And by the time it got back down to you, it wouldn't be the same sentence. That's the game of telephone. And the concept of telephone is I tell you a story, you retell that story, but maybe miss a detail and add in a different detail. And then by the time fourth, fifth, sixth generation goes, it's almost a completely different story. Largely, that's what history is outside of anything that's written down. Right. What always befundles me, and I don't even know if that's a word, but befundles me. a great me, word if it isn't. I think we should uh, make it, submit that to Webster and see if we can do it. <laughs> and Ryan and I talked about it, not in a moment of, of weakness, that's not the right word, but in a moment of rage, probably like eight months ago through text messages. It's shocking at times how fucking dumb we were. Yeah. Like... And I say that in a in a very professional manner, <laughs> in the fact that like we we at times did things and we're like, yeah, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. When everything about it, if you just take a step back and think about it, is like that's wrong. Like that that is wrong. What we're doing right there, and 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 it was it's always a concept, and I. God love my parents. They always taught me it. 
Like it's, it's genuinely not that hard to treat people equal to you and treat people really well. And I don't mean to go down that tangent, but this right. story really brings it up because clearly somebody somewhere along the way said, we don't want Nathan Green. We can't let the world know that an African-American man brought something from Western Africa and it is influencing Jack Daniels, this, this sure. massive money-making. If we do that, then you know what's going to happen. I, you know, I, like so. I agree, and I think there's also we. You can see it and look at it as that, but we can also look at it as the positive side of this. Growth and change is painful. We know that from working out, right? And we look back at this. My parents, who are salt of the earth people, they're good people. I mean, they're still bigots. I love them. Hopefully, they never hear this because they'll stab me. But like that, they. I mean, what we have changed in one generation, two generations of what we accept and what we will stand for and, and, and those types of things, this story couldn't have come to light in the 1950s. 60 years ago? No. no. no I mean, the, the, the battles of, of segregation and everything else like that, separate but equal, which is farce. It doesn't even... Right. It, is, it doesn't, doesn't even make, make sense, sense coming out of the mouth today, but... So it can come to light today, and it becomes this touch point of not virtue signaling or anything else like that. That's just a cool Americana story to me. That's that that is what is can do great things in this country to me. So the interesting thing, though, is, is out of all the you know me and everybody starting to know me on this podcast. I'm the geek on this, so there, I don't think there's a video or an article or anything online that I haven't read about this about the company and everything. So, and I've got like four pages of notes as you guys can see sitting in front of me, but he literally has a fucking notebook. And it's awesome. And, actually, it's all right, and, man. And he the wants whole, to get it right. and the whole thing is that exactly, I wanted to get it right. And that, and that's actually something well, I'll go to that a little bit last, but the interesting thing is that, so Fawn Weaver is an, is the name of the lady who is the co-founder and CEO of uncle nearest distillery. She's an African-American woman. Her dad was her dad was actually like a famous Motown songwriter in the fifties and sixties in Motown. Wrote for Marvin Gaye and people like that. And then afterwards, yes, please. And then afterwards, left Motown and became a born again Christian and a traveling <laughs> pastor and priest and stuff like that. Right. So he, anyway. So so she grew up differently, I'm sure, than most African Americans because because her family was wealthy and stuff like that. But but the beauty of that is that that honestly means nothing to this story. So she she read an article in the New York Times. She's she's a best-selling author herself in New York Times and stuff like that. So she's a very famous person in her. She read an article in the New York Times, I believe in like 2016. She saw the article. She was in Singapore. She read it. She made some phone calls. She came back. She convinced her husband in a, a couple weeks after to take her to Lynchburg, Tennessee. And she, of course, tells stories about that. She's like, my husband was like, Lynchburg, Tennessee? Are you serious? You want to go visit a town called Lynchburg, right? So the interesting thing is that he, they go and she interviews. I always pray that that's named after a guy, not a She uh, She guy. interviews of one of the descendants of Nathan Green, and they have this conversation. And she then spent the next two years and a whole lot of money putting together a, a staff of like 20 or more people they did over a hundred interviews. They pulled up ten thousand different artifacts about Jack Daniels and Nathan Green. So, like, she did her homework, 
for the simple fact that she knew that this would be a great American story that had never been told if it's true. And essentially what she found was a couple really crazy things to where nobody actually knew the history. Nobody really knew the story. Even his descendants and his family who still live in that area today, who still work at the Jack Daniels Distillery to this day. There's still distillers there and still people right? running. It's still there. It's yeah. crazy. They didn't even know the full story. She was able to get all these artifacts together after a couple of years and put all this together, right? Like she did this. And watching these videos that she has online, and, and the interesting thing is that all of these elders that she interviews talks about how Lynchburg, Tennessee actually was a very happy place. And blacks and whites lived together and worked together. And it was actually wasn't what everybody would think a place like Lynchburg, Tennessee would be. Like she told a story of like, really the lynching was anybody that was in jail that did something wrong and horrible, white or black, the townspeople would lynch them. It didn't matter what color you were. She actually tells this story of that elders had told her. And she tells a story about segregation when segregation finally, finally went away in the 60s. And she was interviewing some of the elders and the lady was the one of the ladies she talked to was like, well, segregation wasn't anything new for us. We were already desegregated. It just meant that our kids could go to school together, but they played together before school. They played together after school. They played together on the weekends. They were always together. They just couldn't be together at school. And I don't, so so it, it's just an interesting thing. So I don't really know if there was like this. I don't really know if there was this real like attempt to cover up or hide the story. Not out of just not you know what I mean? So which is great. But that's the but that's the thing. Yeah. It doesn't have to be there. Just like it does it, it's so multi-layered and information is so multi-layered. It's a circle. It's a puddle. Not a puddle, excuse me. It's a it's a ripple that starts in a center. And then it starts to work itself out to get bigger and bigger and bigger. At some point, if there is an object that stops that ripple, the ripple will stop. So while in Lynchburg, nothing happened, I would be, in, and I'm, I'm never going to do this. I'll be 100% honest, but I'd be super interested. I bet that information started to matriculate out of Lynchburg and it became somewhat common knowledge of, hey, Jack Daniels is, is using a, a black man right. to help him make whiskey. And whether it was for financial gain, for popularity gain, or just out of sheer hatred in that time period, somebody went, yeah, we're not putting Nathan Green's name on this. Sure. Like, that's not, that's not going to happen at all. Sure. And we see that happen time and time and time again with any story, any subject. The person that's the loudest, which I encourage people to go read a book called Tipping Point by mm, Malcolm Gladwell because he kind of talks about this about, I can't remember the word, but basically these people that are, they're echoers that everybody listens to. And when the information gets to the echoer, that echoer echoes it, but it goes through their filter. And then you get the echoer's filter. So when this information of how badass Jack Daniels whiskey is, if it hits somebody that was either a white supremacist or knew that the money wasn't going to come in if they said Nathan Green's right. name or whatever it is. Yeah, who's going to buy it? Yeah. They echo it. No, Lynchburg, Tennessee, Nathan Green, Jack Daniels, and that whole squad, they're not in any situation. They don't have any problems. The echoer, whoever the main party to spread 
Jack Daniels, which it doesn't sound like it was Jack Daniels that spread all of the information, you can start to kind of pick the pieces of where that actually happened. I'm sure somebody could reach it, research it and figure out exactly where it was, but that's... There's a, there's probably part of that too. It's like you look at even, even in modern marketing, right? It's like, well, what are the masses going to respond to? And then you catch a, a segment that says, well, the masses won't like it if we say this. And that may not, may not be true. That's really seriously the opinion of... <laughs> That's to, but that's today. It, but, but it's clicks. But it, no, it's but, clicks. Now. So it's clicks today. But it's news articles back in the day, or it's 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 word of mouth back in the day. It's it's the same stuff. It's just now it moves infinitely faster. Oh my god! So I mean, it's 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 the same stuff. It's but human nature is human nature. What we buy and sell, and and why we Surviving. buy and sell are, are exactly the same. Don't start me on this because you know I'll go. I know we I'll need to ahead. like I, I need to pull you back so, a bit. Wrap, kind of wrap yep. up the subject. Yep. Sorry, wrap up the subject so that we can do a little bit of yep. of a revision of, of taste, so, and then right. maybe we'll maybe we can come back to another uncle nearest. Yeah, well, I'll the, try to track down the eighteen. Yeah, so yeah maybe we come back so to another six. uncle nearest next. Let time. me tell you just a, I'll tell you a little on that, but I'll want to close it. So I should have started my disclaimer first. <laughs> <laughs> I am not the expert or the owner of this information. No, I'm just kidding. Right. So. This one, telling this story the way I've told it today and telling you guys, and, and, I, and I hope I've done a good job of it. I hope I didn't mess anything up or I know I excluded some things, hopefully nothing of significance, because it, this one actually made me nervous a little bit because I just, I wanted to tell the story so well, right? And you know me, I'm a storyteller, that I wanted to make sure I told it well. And I wanted to make sure I did a good job of it because I actually watched some whiskey reviews. They are really popular on YouTube. And like the reviews and the story they tell this, I was like, oh my God, that's not true. That's not true. What are you talking about? They were horrible. Anyway, I want to make sure I did a good job. So hopefully I did. One, one thing that I find neat, and it's their tagline, as you guys were talking about all that, I wanted to pull that tagline up real quick. So is that what binged in there? Yeah, that's what binged in. So what, what I think is really neat, the way that Uncle Nearest is telling the story and everything that we're talking about and literally just this conversation we just had over these last 30 minutes, what Uncle Nearest is trying to do, and this is great, this is their tagline, Building the legacy of Nearest without harming the legacy of Jack. So what is super cool is that regardless of there was malintent or not malintent, the hide story or not hide story, that's not Fawn Weaver and this company. That's not their focus. Their focus is bring the truth to light. Let's build up this Uncle Nearest brand. And, and I encourage everybody to go online. I mean, they're doing so many things for the community and they're sending the the their seven or eight of their descendants that are in college they're paying for all of their college including their master's degrees like uh, essentially her goal with this what she talks about is she wants to when she dies she wants to make sure that uncle nearest and nathan green's name and legacy carry on after her death and she want to make sure that the descendants of this family are taken care of and that they're 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 get they get everything that they believe that they should have. And, and that's why they're doing the colleges and all that. And one of the things that they did with the college is they're paying for their college, but they're also charging them to bring somebody else under their wing and do the same thing for them. And they'll pay for their college oh, as well. It's, it's super cool. They're doing all kinds of special things for, for, for folks, which is really neat. But that's the story. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> the whiskey itself, there's three of them right now. So this is the 1856. There's an 1820 and an 1884. Fun facts, 1820, they named that because that's the year uh, they believe he was born. That is their, I want to make sure that I have my fun facts correct. 
That is their single barrel edition, the 1856, which they believe is the first year that he produced his solo whiskey. That's for the 1856. This is the premium whiskey that we're drinking, which also comes in a clear, apparently. I haven't seen that or heard of that. And then, eight, that one, and then yeah. 1884 is their third version. The, their 1884, that's their small batch version. And that's the year that he retired. So in 84, when he was working for Jack, that was when he called it quits and got out of the distillery business. So, And from one of the things I saw with that to, to add to the story, it's like his son's uh, and children kept like distilling. We're master distillers yeah. for Jack after that. Fact. Yeah, so when he retired in 84, all three, all three of his sons, when he retired in 84, all three of his sons went to work for Jack Daniels. Like I said, their names have been intertwined and those families have been intertwined since then, literally to this day. Jack Daniels' official biography mentions Nathan Green's name like 50 some times in it. So he does not hide it at all. Like he talks constantly about it. It just wasn't told, which is really crazy. And you know, really the other fact of it is, and just kind of show about the town of Lynchburg and the times and everything, think of how weird this is, is that the Green family was one of the wealthiest families in all of Lynchburg. Black or white, didn't matter. Yeah. They were they were one of the wealthiest families in town, period. And it's because of the whiskey that he made and the relationship he had with, with Jack Daniels, so and the family. Super cool stuff. Super cool American story. So all right, let's let's talk about the whiskey in general. We talked a little bit about it neat. And we're doing the forty five seconds you meet a stranger on the side uh, of the let's road. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it on ice because we didn't talk about that. So we, we let's uh, talk. Okay, right. All right. So let's just talk a second about that, then we'll do the forty five seconds. I understand. Hey, we can go a little long. It's all right. This is a good I, one. I don't have a problem with this. I have a parallel. Right, so what are you, what are you thinking oh. about the about it on ice? Talking the whole time. So no, that's okay. No, I'm good. So this is numb nuts over there. This is not the first time that I drank this whiskey. This is actually my third bottle. So I've been through this. The neat we talked about a little bit on. Ice. I have to ask, as always, three weeks. Is it a 750 milliliter? Bottle? It is a 750 glass okay. bottle. All right. And just uh, for all gosh. the population yeah, out yeah, there, yeah. so you know. So I don't know. To me, this is this goes into one of my top three categories. I always have this in my cabinet. On ice, after a few minutes on ice, that burn or that little that little bear hug that we get on the way down to me completely goes away. On the nose, it's very vanilla and very caramel. You can you can tell the sweetness on the nose, and then on the taste on the palate and as it goes down, on the finish, to me, that there's there's a little bit of a soft lemon zest I would say with it. But what I really get. I get, I'm telling you, I get this caramel apple mm-hmm. or this this s'mores. Like I get marshmallows and chocolate on the <laughs> s'mores and it is so ridiculously stupid good. Marshmallows and chocolate, I don't. I get the caramel apple for sure. But I mean, I guess oh. we, we talked about that in the past. Like my, my palate set up towards those caramels but and vanillas. I, I feel them. I taste them both. Yeah. I can separate them both. Mm, I can't do that. So what's interesting to me with this one, and it's just, it's absolutely just odd to me, uh, is like when, put it on ice, let it sit for a few seconds, a few minutes, cut it with a little bit of water, whatever you're going to do. To me, I get a little bit more mouth burn, a little bit more mouth alcohol sensation. And then I still get the caramel apple. I still get the vanilla. Um, but the, 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 right, the chest burn, that warmth down into your belly, into the gullet just goes away. So... I'll start, and so that's what I get. And then let's talk to Mr. I Hate Tennessee Whiskey, which I was in that. Like, I don't like Tennessee Whiskey. I like this one. Maybe it's the story. Maybe it's the emotion tied to it. But honestly, me and Jack don't get along. I don't like Jack at all. So 
When Ryan just said what he said about lemon zest and, and s'mores, all I can think about is the scene from Super Troopers where the guy just swallowed an entire bag of weed and, and then licks, <laughs> licks the window and says the schnozberries taste like schnozberries. That's all I can really think of. But <clears throat> in all seriousness, for those not aficionados, not super nerds of, of whiskey, what I would say is this is not a, it's not a summer whiskey. It is not a in bulk whiskey. Even though Ryan has drank three bottles in three weeks, but okay, I four. I I view this as a winter cold weather post dinner. Maybe have one, maybe two. One hundred percent on ice. Neat is way unless you're just into lighting your insides on fire. Put it on ice because it does remove the the heat of it. This is not something that you're. Hey, I'm gonna have three four five of these in a night, which I know some people, that's what they like to do with whiskey. This is, this is almost like a, I'm going to have a dessert type deal. I'm not going to say that it's going to be good with a cigar because I don't think it's going to be good with a cigar. So one way to find out, buddy. Yeah. I'll, I'll get back to everybody on that one, but that's my, that's my take on it. My, my real quick take is for me, this is, you go cold weather, you got, you got a campfire. Mm. I would take it neat. Just because it's yeah, cold. I could do it. Kick that out. Take it neat. To at least take the first one neat and then put the second one on ice and do that as a nightcap, just sharing stories, talking. You could just take the stick and shove it down your throat and it would do the same <laughs> thing from the fire. From the fire right, but then, but then I'm going to have to go to the hospital for that. You could have to go to the hospital on this too. So No, this is not Jack. <laughs> I've had to go to the – I've almost had to go to the hospital on Jack. But anyway. Ryan. So that's my, that's my take. Sorry. Go for it. Yeah, finish this off. Forty-five seconds, but I don't need it. I, I think we're all done with it. I think it. it like I said, I highly recommend it. Uh, brand new whiskey drinker. You got to make sure you have it on ice. And like Evan said, I do agree. It's probably just a one kind of thing, one drink a night kind of deal on ice. If you're if you've got a regular palate and you're drinking whiskeys and bourbons and stuff often, you have to add it. You have to try it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, well, I, I do want to say add. one thing. Either he's changing the way he talks about whiskey, Evan, or he's actually growing a little bit in his palate. I don't know what it is. I've started equating it to wine. Oh, it's just my parallels. <laughs> all right, all right, I do. Back. It is. It's it's one of the better ones we've had. Yeah, yeah. I do agree. So thank you all for listening. I highly, highly encourage you to look up UncleNearest.com. I highly encourage you to look up Fawn Weaver and even Uncle Nearest on YouTube and watch a bunch of videos. It's a super cool company. It's a super cool story. Jeffrey Wright, they have a 10-minute Vimeo that Jeffrey Wright did. He's an actor. He did a great job of telling the story. He's super cool when he talks about the story. But you should look it up and enjoy it. Bye for now. Yeah. Have a good night.